Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. We're almost finished with January. And the reason this is important is because I turned 40 in February. And I keep telling myself, I have a little more time in my 30s, a little more time in my 30s, and it's less and less time. And then I also realized that, I know as you get older, time goes by faster. We all heard that. We all know it's true. But once you have kids, gosh, does it accelerate. And it's a weird experience too, because all of a sudden my three-year-old is sitting there and I'm looking at him thinking, four years ago, you didn't exist. And now you steal my food and I can't sleep because of you. (laughs) And the days just go by like that. Um, So it's just a weird experience because I was going to get up here and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe January is already over. And then I realized, oh my gosh, the first four decades of my life are almost over. So there we are. Anyways, what are we here for? (laughs) During this season, we are looking at the Gospel of Mark. And we're actually going to be in the Gospel of Mark from now until the beginning of the summer. But to begin with, we're looking at these parables in the Gospel of Mark. The parables are stories Jesus would use to teach. Parable comes from the Greek word, which means to throw alongside. So Jesus would take the kingdom of God, something that is hard for humans to understand, and he would throw a simple story alongside it, not to explain it in full, but to give us an aspect of what the kingdom of God looks like. So I'll be reading from Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29, and I'm going to read this parable twice, and I invite you to hear the word of God. Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. Let me read that one more time. Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day. And the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, in the way that you taught your followers thousands of years ago through these parables, through this story that we just looked at, we ask, Lord, that you would teach us now. Help us to understand the kingdom of God. Help us to understand how it's at work in this world. Help us to understand what our role in it is. Help us to understand how we can be faithful. Lord, teach us. As you have taught your disciples for thousands of years, teach us now. Through the power of your Holy Spirit and through the scriptures, Lord, teach us. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as I mentioned, we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark between now and the beginning of the summer here at Stonebridge. And in a couple of weeks, we also have our growth groups beginning. And I encourage you, if you're not part of one, to sign up for the growth groups so that you can really reflect on this gospel, see how Mark presents Jesus to us, have discussions and dialogues with other people about what God is saying in these scriptures. 
But a couple of things that are important to always remember about Mark is that Mark was likely the first of the four gospels that was written. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four gospels, four different books that each tell the story of Jesus through a different perspective, through a different lens. And Mark was likely the first one of these written down. And Mark is also the clumsiest of these gospels. When you read it closely, the grammar is off. There's fewer stories in Mark, but the stories that are told are longer with probably too many words. Mark would not get a good grade in a creative writing class. It's just kind of a clumsy gospel. And the church, the community that likely contributed to this gospel existing, they were poorer. They were more humble. They were suffering persecution. Mark was written at a point where the church hadn't really grown yet. It was still growing. It was still beginning and it was struggling. And these parables that we're going through, they're the beginning of Jesus' teaching in the gospel of Mark. They're the most extensive of his teaching in the gospel of Mark. This is primarily the way Jesus teaches in the gospel of Mark is through these parables. And again, parables are those simple stories that you try and place them alongside the kingdom of God. And the parable that we looked at here, I think you could understand at one level how this parable would be encouraging to a community that is struggling. This parable is called the parable of the growing seed. And it sounds so simple on the surface. The kingdom of God is compared to somebody who goes out, throws a bunch of seed out there, and then the seed grows. If your community is struggling, if your life is struggling, growth is something you're hoping for. That early church in Mark's community would have wanted to grow. They wanted to survive. They wanted what they cared about, what they had devoted their lives to, to survive. So on the surface, it seems like this is a parable about growth. And growth is something that usually we talk about in positive terms. I mean, turn on the news and we'll talk inevitably about the economy growing. You always want economies to grow. And people write all sorts of literature on how does an economy actually grow? Or go to any church and they'll talk about growing as well. We want churches to grow. We want to see growth. We want more people to be coming to the church. We want it to be thriving. Growth is always, almost always talked about positively. And it's something that's good. In your personal lives, people will talk about having growth, emotional growth, spiritual growth, growth in maturity. Growing is a good thing. More often than not, it's a good thing. It's something we look forward to, unless you're about to turn 40. Then, mm, not so much. But in general, I just say, I'm excited to be 40. It'll be great, whatever. Um, but growth is just part of life. It's normally a good thing. It's something we look forward to. And you could see that on the surface as Mark's community would hear this parable, would read this parable, would understand this teaching of Jesus, they would be encouraged because their small, struggling little community they could trust would grow. So on the surface, it seems like a really simple parable. Maybe we can all just go home now, right? No, no, I've got you for at least another 20 minutes. Because the thing with Jesus' parables is there's always something that is surprising. There's always something that will catch you off guard. At first, you may not notice it. But when you look closer, there's something in there 
that would make you think, wait a minute. This isn't exactly what it looks like on the surface. Remember too, Jesus' disciples had trouble understanding his parables. They're not meant to be easily understood on the first reading. They're meant to be reflected on. And in this parable, there's a couple of things, at least a couple of things that are genuinely surprising that I think can teach us and instruct us about what Jesus is really getting at here because he's not just saying it's going to grow. There's more to it than that. The first thing that would have been surprising for the people who would have first heard this parable or read Mark's gospel, this is surprise number one now, is the fact that the kingdom of God is compared to a seed or to seeds. That's not kingdom language. That's not empire language. That's not language of power. You're talking about a kingdom and you compare it to a tiny little seed? You compare it to a simple farmer going out and scattering seed? This is not an overwhelming image that would have inspired people in the ancient world to devote their lives to this cause. So right away, there would have been a bit of a letdown for people who would have heard this. The kingdom of God is like a bunch of seeds? That's surprise number one. There's a humility there to the kingdom that doesn't reflect the way most earthly human kingdoms talk about themselves. Surprise number two, though, is a little more pronounced. He does not know. I'm not sure if you caught that when I read this story, but the farmer goes out, scatters the seed, and then the seed grows. And what has the farmer done this whole time? Gone to bed, woken up. Gone to bed, woken up. And as it's growing, he says, I don't know how this is happening. What's a farmer supposed to know how to do? but this farmer doesn't know how this is growing. Think about that for a second. The kingdom of God is like seed that is scattered and the farmer doesn't know how it's growing. And then Jesus, to hammer the point home, says the earth itself raises it up. Now put yourself in the position of the early church with Mark. You want this community to thrive. You want this community to grow. And what are you hearing from Jesus' teaching? In response to the question, well, how do we make this grow? The farmer doesn't know. He does not know. And this is the thing about growth. Far too often, you will see when people start talking about growth and how it's good, they'll quickly follow up with, and here's how we do it. Here's the easy steps to how you grow an economy, how you grow a church. Here's how you can grow your own spiritual maturity in your life. Here's the five steps, the seven steps, the 15 steps, the 99 steps, however many number of steps there are. It seems like everybody seems to have the secret understanding of how to achieve growth. There's a lot of hucksterism in all of it especially when we get to things like the kingdom of God or church or spiritual maturity. The truth that Jesus is hammering home here in this parable is that human beings don't know how to achieve growth nearly as well as we think we do. The farmer can scatter the seed 
And that's the extent of the farmer's contribution to the growth. From that point on, the kingdom of God, it just grows. This is something I think Christians forget, lose sight of, or ignore way too often. In the early 20th century, there was a movement called the social gospel movement that had great aims, had great aims. They wanted to apply gospel lessons to social issues. But as this movement went on, more and more, the rhetoric became focused on building the kingdom of God. That through our actions, we were going to build the kingdom of God here. There's a magazine that's still out there called The Christian Century. It got its name. It's a good magazine, by the way. I'm not just bashing them. But this just shows you how this rhetoric kind of took over. It got its name because they thought that they would build a truly Christian century through their actions in the 20th century. Then World War I hits. Then World War II hits. And you start realizing that's not what human beings are called to do. But that idea of building the kingdom of God, it's so appealing. It can get people activated. And political movements use it all the time. The social gospel did have some political sides to it too. It was more on the political left. On the political right, you see this also. The moral majority, religious right. All the talk about if we just get power, we'll make our nation moral again. Folks, according to Jesus, that's not how the kingdom of God spreads. For any of us, whatever your political views are, the kingdom of God does not spread through acquiring power for ourselves. We as human beings don't really know how to grow the kingdom of God ourselves. And you know, want to know what's really interesting? I'm sure the phrase, go and build the kingdom of God, is something that most of you are used to. Might not sound weird to you at first, but nowhere does Jesus instruct his disciples to do that. At no point in the Gospels or in the, Paul's letters either. In fact, I think in the entire New Testament are Jesus' followers instructed to go and build the kingdom. We're not the ones who do it. God is the one who builds the kingdom. It's through God's action, through God's work. You can throw some seeds out there all you want, but at the end of the day, according to Jesus, the earth itself grows the seeds. God is the one who builds the kingdom. So this parable in Jesus' teaching, it requires humility. It demands humility of us. You're not going to grow anything that's ever going to be perfect. You're not going to be the one to build the kingdom of God. Your movement is not going to be the one to build the kingdom of God. That's solely in God's hands. So then what is asked of us? if you want to be a follower of Jesus. Well, I think it is interesting here that Jesus does note it. The farmer goes to sleep and wakes up. Goes to sleep and wakes up. There's an ongoing rhythm to that. And this is, I think, what should be relaxing for a lot of us. If you want to follow Jesus, you're not called to fix the world. And gosh, that's a burden. Thank God you're not called to fix the world. What you are called to do is to simply be faithful, regardless of results, regardless of growth, regardless of the outcomes, you're called to be faithful to the way of life Jesus lays out to us. You can't control the outcome. The farmer doesn't know how the seed grows, but you're faithful in scattering that seed and you wake up and you go to bed and you wake up and you go to bed 
and you're faithful. That's the kind of rhythm Jesus is talking about in this parable. We're called to basic faithfulness. Not so that we can achieve some grand end, not so that we can fix the world, not so that we can build the best, most perfect church ever, or you can be the most spiritually mature person ever, or we can have the greatest country ever. That's not what we're called to as Christians. We're called to be faithful to the gospel, to help people understand that the kingdom of God is at hand and it is breaking into their lives and God is at work in their lives. That's what Jesus calls his followers to do, to witness to. And another good news of that is faithfulness is actually something you can just practice. Being faithful, having a rhythm, it's something you do have a level of control over. You don't get to control growth, but you can control what you do with your time. And I want to challenge you. If you don't have something in your daily life that helps pull your eyes to the fact that God is building the kingdom of God, I want to challenge you to pull something into your life, some sort of practice. It could be waking up and praying for a minute, two minutes. It could be reading scripture. Years ago, I put a practice into my life. When I went through seminary, I learned how to be a pastor. After I graduated, I put a practice in my life of making sure I didn't lose the ability to read Greek and Hebrew. So every day I read a few passages of the Bible in Greek and Hebrew, no matter what. I read some of the Bible in those languages. I can tell you, it doesn't make me more spiritually mature, but it does give my, trust me, it doesn't. <laughs> it does give my life a rhythm though. It doesn't make me better than anybody else, but it gives my life a rhythm. There's times at which I can look at that practice and say, there has been growth in myself. And there's other times where I'm simply just doing it to do it because I said I was going to do it and I don't like doing it and I don't want to do it, but I still just do it. I do think that that kind of faithfulness that isn't focused on results, that's what Jesus calls us to. I don't know what a practice would be for you, but I encourage you to find something. Maybe it's even something simple as just reaching out to a certain person once a week, but find something where you can be faithful in it, where you can incorporate the way of life Jesus has called us into your life to grow, trusting that God's the one who will achieve the growth, not you trusting that it's God who builds the kingdom, not you. Trusting that though the farmer doesn't know how the seed grows, it still grows. And when the harvest comes, the fruit is plentiful. We're called to be faithful. May we take up that call. Please pray with me. Lord, it's so easy for us to think that we have far more control over events than we do. It's so easy for us to take credit for the things that you do. It's so easy for people when a church is doing well to write a book on how to achieve church growth, Lord. Losing sight of the fact that it's ultimately you who achieves growth. Or when a nation is doing well, to start writing books on how economies thrive, when ultimately, Lord, it's you who achieves growth. Help us to not worry about growth itself, but help us to focus on faithfulness. Help us to be true to the way of life you call us to as your followers. Help us to find practices that encourage faithfulness in our lives, Lord. And help us to trust in you 
to trust that you are the one who will achieve growth in our lives when it's necessary and when we need it. Lord, we don't know how the seeds grow, but we know that you are a good and faithful God and that you will achieve growth in this world because your kingdom is breaking into this world. Yeah.
sadness from wherever you've been come broken hearted let rescue begin come find your mercy oh sinner come near earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal no earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal lay down your burden lay down your shame all who are broken lift up your face you are 